it's time to stop being confused about health. It's time to embrace the timeless truths about health. It's time to look within, and it's time for balance. It is time to learn to eat like a normal person. Oh yeah, and don't forget, kale sucks, and an all-meat diet is going to kill you a lot faster than a normal diet. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Stop Being Confused About Health podcast. I'm your host, Abhishek Saha, an ex-orthorexic and author of How You're Meant to Eat, a book that's designed to help you eat like a normal person again. Now, (laughs) it's been over a year since I podcasted. I just checked on this podcast. So I want to open this just, you know, as a kind of a new year message and talk about what I learned last year about where I want to take this project that started out as a hobby and now you know I'm an author and I'm working on another book that started seven years ago now at this point which is crazy Uh, because last year for me involved many spiritual changes and that actually helped me clarify on a deeper level what it is I've been trying to teach here because most of the nutrition world the health and wellness world a lot of it focus focuses on quantitative sciences and appearance but What I want to bring into this discussion is talk more about exactly what you'll hear today with my guest, the qualitative side of things, and how to help you live a life of true freedom where you can do what it is that you want in life and not be obsessed with food. Because that, for me, took away years of productivity, you know, just spending so many hours reading nutrition research and going on these crazy diets because of a you know, just a compulsion, uh, a desire to lose weight, fix some insecurities I had around body image caused by, uh, for me, gynecomastia. And, you know, once I was able to free myself from that, I realized, whoa, okay, I've kind of discovered something here. And that's what I want to teach. But it was very confusing for me to actually figure out how to teach this. You know, I, I have clarity on what it is I want to eat, what foods I want to eat, but I didn't have clarity on how to go about doing this. And last year I was I was consumed with other projects and I simply wasn't able to devote time and energy to stopping confused with health. But I'm very excited to say that there there's a lot of content that's being planned because the the few pieces of videos, few pieces of content I did put out, I saw made an impact on the people who watched it. And the the type of feedback I've gotten really stems around people feeling very lost, people feeling very confused about the path forward after being on some type of diet. And that's where today's episode may give you significant clarity on that because it's it's the work that I do with clients. I, I call myself a health coach, but it's really psychological work. It's psychological work. It's not nutrition specifics or mechanisms and things like that. It's it's really your approach. And that's why I titled my book, How You're Meant to Eat, which does not mention or recommend specific foods for anybody to eat. So it's really about the how. And that's what hopefully this episode will give you clarity on. And I have to say, it gave me a lot of um, connections with like how, like the problems that people see uh, from orthorexia, that the problems that I'm seeing when people are discussing different diets and the communities that form, a lot of it can be explained by what my guest today is going to explain to you guys. So my guest is 
His name is Roni Maslich, and he is a licensed clinical social worker who specializes in uh, the emotional aspect of obesity. So he works with obese patients and helps them understand their relationship with food. And this is really important because it's not just what we eat. It's also our context, our environment, maybe our career, our our spiritual life, and and things of that nature. And so he's going to come in today and explain to us, you know, what, what that side of things is like. So without further ado, here is the episode. Welcome back, everyone, to the Stop Being Confused About Health podcast. And it's been a while since I did an interview, since I did a live interview. And today I have with me Roni Maylish. Maylish, thank you. Who is a licensed social worker in Israel who specializes in helping uh, his clients, his patients with emotional eating. So today we're going to not talk about quantitative sciences, which is extremely common, extremely popular in the nutrition world. And I hope throughout this year, we'll have more discussions like this on emotional eating and the qualitative side of things. So thanks for joining me today, Roni. Yeah, it's great being here. So can you tell a little bit about your your background, how you got into social work and emotional eating? Mm-hmm. So sometimes when you know when people say emotional eating i like to take it to a much broader you know aspect you know i'm working with in the last 15 years with patients suffering from different issue uh, that can in- include also obesity patient and overweight patients so it's very very wide range and when i'm saying you know emotional aspect of obesity or emotional aspect of people suffering from overweight it can be addictive aspect it can be spiritual aspect can be emotional psychological it's very very diverse from you know country to country and you know city to city sometimes so you know in your country in america there's like 100 million people suffering from overweight and it's so diverse so different Uh, But, you know, I think that most of the people, both professional and not professional, uh, you know, uh, uh, looking at the obesity epidemic through the eyes of, you know, the dietitian or the nutrition or the physician or the exercise people, and not so many, both professional and non-professional, you know, people, patients, Uh, will ask themselves, you know, so what I'm really hungry for, you know, those kind of questions, or why I ate, you know, without being hungry, or what is the psychology role of my fat? And, you know, most of my patients are women. I think like 80% of the women that uh, are coming uh, to my clinic in the last 15 years will say, you know, when I'm losing weight, yeah, I'm happy. I can, you know, it's good, but being more attractive is an issue, you know, being more attractive, being in the center of, you know, things is not that easy as I thought. So, yeah, it's it's a very complex. In, in my history, I was a chubby child, you know, uh, I, like sometimes, you know, people ask me, so how much, how how chubby I was, you know, and say I, I was not the fat 
the fattest child in Tel Aviv area, you know. There were many more, you know, that they were fatter than me. But still, in my class, I was the most fat child, you know. And I was, you know, very isolated, very alone, and like have a lot of, you know, psychology, you know, effect because of me being, you know, different. Uh, and I never assumed, never thought that someday I will be a psychotherapist, a clinical social worker. You know, I'm still, you know, and I'm doing this kind of work for 18 years and I'm still, you know, sometimes, you know, it, it's a mystery how I ended. You know, I like 15 years ago, I was, you know, working in the marketing field and, you know, life, you know, very, you know, can change very easy. Uh, yeah. yeah yeah absolutely I, I can, people yeah yeah tell me ask me yeah yeah i think i that's very interesting how you how you got there and a lot of people get develop an eating disorder through maybe being chubby as a kid and someone tells them they're fat and then they they really want to work towards that so i want to i definitely want to ask you more about treating obesity using emotions but first first of all um, what is emotional eating and what are the different kinds of emotional eating that um, you, you typically see? I think the basic, uh, you know, understanding uh, what is emotional eating is the way we react by uh, overeating to an emotion that we cannot handle. So it's like it's not it's not it doesn't matter which emotion we talk about it's the change in the emotion i can be sad and become more sad and i can go to food to calm myself and i can be happy and sometimes something would happen and i will be more happy and still i will not have you know the ability to handle the change in the emotion so i think this is the basic you know, understanding why we eat when we, we, we don't, you know, we don't need to eat, you can say. But after working, you know, 10 years in, in this field and trying to help people understanding, you know, the sequence between event, emotional and, uh, and behavior, uh, I think that 50% of the patient, the people, uh, even though they are more understanding, have more insight, mindfulness you know the behavior will no will not change in the end so those 50 percent need some you know like first floor basement kind of work and i think the the self-psychology parting self-psychology psychotherapy that i'm you know this is my approach in the last nine years uh this is one of the book uh relating the this uh, approach how does the analyst cure of a uh, cohort uh, Heinz Scott most of his time he, he been in Chicago uh, so understanding awareness is not enough to a lot of people so in this perspective we try to help people to uh, go back to their nature to go back to their uh, true self to go back to their originally plan, plan to restore their nuclear self. And when people have their, they are living inside their nuclear self, they are less tendency, they have less tendency 
to lose their, you know, to lose their balance. All right. If you are in yourself, you are living in yourself, in your nuclear self, in your true self. So you, it's less. Uh, you will have less possibility to lose your balance, to become weak, to become fragile, to become this. Uh, I don't know this. Uh, this this something. Yeah, know. out of and control. Then, yeah, yeah, and then you will need less time to go back. All right, so you don't need all the time to get the balance right after you lost your balance. Okay, so using the food to get the balance right. So if you are less uh, going out of your balance, so you less need your food. Okay, so you said a couple of things. So generally, I thought emotional eating was something that happens when people have negative emotions, but can it also happen when people are experiencing positive emotions? Yes, that's what okay. I'm saying. Yeah, and it doesn't yeah, that, matter. Okay. For everyone is so different. Yes, the typical, it's about, you know, bad emotion, like Rachel and friends that someone, you know, mm-hmm. uh, or in the, I think the first season uh, left her and she told the Monica, where's the ice cream? You know, it's a typical emotional eating scene. And maybe it's, you know, it's happening again and again because her father left her mother. So it's happening again and again. But, you know, for everyone, it's so different. So it could be positive. It could be from, you know, other area, like emotional neglect. People have, a lot of people have, you know, everything. You know, everything. They have, you know, shelter, cars, money, everything. But no one in their childhood, you know, uh, guide them, contain them, hold them. So they, they need the food to, you know, to hold them instead of, you know, emotional you know, person or emotional entity. I don't know. Yeah, that that makes sense. So how can this, because you, you talk about obesity, right? So how can, does emotional eating cause obesity for a lot of people? Um, because, you know, generally people think of obesity as an imbalance in the amount of energy you're taking in. Um, and obviously emotional eating can lead to that, but is, is emotional eating a common cause of obesity or is, is it also seen in lean people? For my experience, many, many, many people who are, you know, emotional eater suffering for either overweight or obesity. For sure, obesity, you know, it's not just about, you know, psychology or emotion or spiritual. You have many, many reasons why a person become uh, obese, but I'm interested in that aspect, and I think most of the people who will, you know, need to use the food to calm themselves, to handle themselves, to make them, you know, like have a, a patient that this is the only time in the day that he can be with himself, with the food. You know, it's like a date that he have with himself through the food. So yes, most of those people. Sometimes, you know, it can happen like in transition time, like in Corona, like in one year, many of my patients and many of my colleagues also talking about that, you know, in, in one year, uh, you can, you know, gain like 30, 40 pounds. But for other people, you know, it's very, very, very gradually. Where I, you know, I'm doing their intake in the first, second session, they will tell me, you know, it happened, you know, just through the years, like 20 years. 
30 years. Every year, I gain four pounds. Every year, I gain another four pounds. And after 20 years, you know, it's an issue. Uh, so it's very, very, you know, there's not just one typical, you know, person suffering from overweight or obesity. It's very, very diverse. I see. And you said 80% of your patients are women. Um, but based on the data, would you say that emotional eating does disproportionately affect women or do men also experience emotional eating or is, is around 80, 20? Yeah. I, so I don't know if I'm happy to tell you that, but in the last year, the statistics are changed, change. All right. So more and more and more men, men suffering from overweight and obesity and wanting to deal and wanting to go deep in their, you know, relationship with food and eating and understand the connection between, you know, their emotional uh, to their obesity are coming more and more and more. So the statistics are changing. All right. Uh, from my understanding, it's, you know, women are. I don't know in America, but in Israel, uh, women are more uh, open to to think about that, to uh, to admit to themselves that you know they are emotional eater and go to therapy, speak about that because are you to you know being strong and you know say for a man in Israel say that you know I'm eating because I'm sad. Mm, it's not that easy to admit that in front of himself for sure going to therapy and maybe telling other people that he's going to therapy because you know he's eating for emotional aspect but you know time is different now and more and more you know people are more open to discuss that and so i think if, if i can you know look in a, like a very, very wide angle. It's, it's an issue that affects both men and women the same way, actually. Yeah, that was my next question for you. So you, you said emotional eating, it's so different for everyone. But are there some general patterns you see um, with regards to how women experience emotional eating and then how men, why they cope uh, with emotions using food. Yeah. So I'm, um, you know, sometimes I'm, I'm talking about the the emotional or the psychology role of the fat. So the fat, you know, have uh, like, a, you know, like have a target or have like an aim or have like a role. So I think I told you that a little bit before. I think most of the women lose weight can take them to, to a, a specific area or specific uh, zone in their life that they can be more attractive. And when I'm saying attractive, it could be, you know, sexual attractive. And it's not that easy sometimes to a woman to become, you know, after many years, she wasn't that attractive or she, she was afraid being attractive. And it doesn't matter sometimes if she's married or not, you know, people are more, you know, saying something. Some other woman become more, you know, envy at her, at her change and her, sometimes at her beauty. Something is uh, different. She can, you know, she have more glue uh, 
she's she she shine uh, more so yeah if this woman just did diet or bariatric surgery and lost 40 50 pounds and she didn't uh, do some you know emotional work then her you know her vessel is not strong enough to to carry this change and then she will gain back the weight and for men i think it's it's a little bit similar but it's less about being sexual although there are men that being as a man more sexual attractive is not that easy for them for many many re reasons maybe their father was very flirting other uh, other reason they, they want don't want to be like their father you know but i, I feel that most men uh, when they lose weight you know those people that are you know struggling with weight and relationship with food and eating for many many years they are afraid to be in the center because when you are in the center you know people need something from you you're like you like, you have like a duty people want something from you you can you cannot hide actually anymore and for many many people it's not that easy to be in in the center and again if they are not ready to the center they will gain the weight the way by back. center you mean center of attention center of attention center in their business center in their career center in their you know a place that you are volunteer there it doesn't matter it can be everywhere center in the family you will be you know for 20 years your wife was the number one in the family she, she was the leader in the family now you are the leader you become more powerful you have more strengths you have more vitality in your life and it's part of you losing weight, you know? So you are more attractive. People need something from you, you know? And you cannot hide anymore. And you need to right. react and respond to people. And it's yeah, not easy. So, yeah, I recently watched this um, video of a man on uh, My 600 Pound Life. It's a TV show about really obese people who... Uh, some of them lose weight and this man lost weight and he was, you know, felt much more attractive, uh, but then he gained all the weight back and studies show that there is a metabolic decline in people who lose weight very quickly. So do you feel that in, in many cases, it's not a metabolic decline causing people to gain the weight back or it's a lot of it is, um, their, that relationship they have with their body image and maybe other issues that cause them to eat, to cope rather than to eat, to stop um, the feelings of hunger and restore the leptin levels. I'm sure, uh, even though I'm not a physician or dietitian, that there are, you know, a physical, metabolic, chemical chemi chemistry or biological or genetic uh, you know reason why for most people when they lose weight quickly you know something you know something will you know stop it in in you know in a specific point and most of them will gain the weight uh, the weight back i'm sure uh, and again, uh, I'm, you know, this is my expertise in the last 15 years. I'm looking more uh, in, in, in the glass, in, through the glasses of the emotional reason 
why you stop losing weight. You know, it, it could be like four pounds and something, you know, I have a patient that lost four pounds and, you know, and she, she don't understand how she lost those four pounds, you know, and it's make her fear that she's sick. So she gained the four mm -hmm. pounds back. So it's very, you know, and what is metabolic, you know, there's a, something called RMR that, you know, check your uh, metabolism, you know, this uh, exercise or not exercise. Yeah, the, the resting the metabolic, metabolic rate. So right. it uh, can go down um, with, with uh, people who lose a lot of weight over time yeah. from very so, extreme dieting and so on. So I'm looking at the metabolic rate, you know, you can call it the psychology metabolic, metabolic rate, you know, the emotional metabolic rate, because if your metabolic rate is, you know, because of a lot of, you know, processes uh, become, you know, less than, than what you need. So through spiritual processes and changes, I want to help this person to uh, bring the metabolic rate higher again by maybe change his career, you know, maybe do some art, maybe go to travel, a lot of, you know, you know, stuff that a person can do to change his, you know, metabolic rate, not just upon what he eat or not eat, but what, it, not, I'm, I'm saying not about the nutrition, it's also about the nourishment. So what is nourishing him? What is his lifestyle? Where is he live? Who is his friends? So it's very, you know, holistic, you know, approach. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. There's so much in the wellness space that focuses exclusively on vitamins, minerals, and how that can affect your mood and all that. And it does. Um, but what types of uh, other things have you seen completely transform someone's relationship with food and get them back to, like you said, their, their nuclear self. Like what, what kind of processes you mean? Like, yeah. Have you seen like someone goes traveling and then are they just back to normal after that? Or how do they mm. get that self back? You know, I can say about myself, I traveled mm. five times to India, a part of my, you can say spiritually journey. And every time when I been in India, I felt that I'm going back, back to my nature. And when I'm coming back home after like six, seven weeks, uh, something is slightly different. And, but when you are, you know, you're, you're taking this spiritually journey as a, as a lifestyle, you know, when you change your career, you, when you go to travel, when you you know, meet new friends, when you, you are, you know, you dedicate your life to heal yourself, then yes, people gradually are become different. There are, it's not like a, a, a change, it's, it's more than change. And then year by year, the relationship with food and eating become much healthier. Yeah, because if you, you know, as a person become more healthy, also your relationship with food and eating, it must be become, you know, you, you, you will go back to speak with, you know, the hunger satisfy mechanism back again, because most of the emotional eater, most of the, you know, people suffering from obesity lost their connection to this uh, mechanism when they were children, you know, 
you know, sometimes their parents convince them, you know, if they want ice cream to eat something without being hungry, you know, and the ice cream is, is just like a, a price, like a, a present, you know. So they ate, you know, the, the rice or the, you know, the omelet without being hungry. So it's very, very, you know, yeah, people who do make a, like a huge, huge change in their life, you know, putting a lot of effort in that, you know. Yeah, journey. and yeah, with the, with the people that, that I work with, they, their hunger cues get messed up because they're overthinking. And these aren't these aren't people with obesity. Usually, they're usually normal um, people. So it's interesting how you said at an early age, uh, people's um, connection to their hunger cues and and feedback can get messed up um, through some way they're raised. So I, I wanted to ask you: Can emotional eating affect lean people? People between twenty and twenty-five BMI. Have you seen that as well? But. Ask me, like, in, in, in a more specific, what kind of, you know, effect or changes? Are, like, have you, do you see patients or, um, who are not obese who also have significant issues with um, emotional eating? Yeah, so you're talking more about, uh, you know, you ask about my history uh, in the beginning. Uh, before working in the obesity and, and uh, overweight, I was working in the eating disorder unit in one of the hospitals in Israel, working with anorexia and bulimia. And there are types of anorexia that they are emotional eater. They, and then after that, they can, you know, throw up and, you know, stuff like that. So you can call them emotional eater. A lot of bulimia women are emotional eater and there's a something called binge eating disorder bed if you're familiar uh, so they can be like uh, bmi 25 all right uh, uh, but you know they will uh, sometimes have like a ceremony with the food like five six times every day so they are like you can call them compulsive eater okay it's like sometimes it's like more heavy than emotional eater and uh, but they're they're like addicted to food and eating so i i used to work with women like that i'm saying women because most of the patients that came to me because of you know binging disorder were women but you know in a, in a private clinic seeing them most of the time one or twice a week it's very 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 hard to work with you know people suffering from you know compulsive eating they need to be in most of the time in hospital in you know in a clinic that they can you know see therapist every day but yeah emotional eating can be very very again very diverse and right. you know there are people with a very very high metabolism rate so they can eat you know you know, like thousands of calories every day and still uh, stay thin. Yeah, if no, you know I forgot that you, yeah, so you work in the obesity unit now, so so obviously you don't see as many non-obese people. Um, but that, that was my next question for you about food addiction. Right. This is something that I don't quite understand. Um, are, is food addiction 
specifically for really high palatability foods like you know cookies candy chips or uh, like what what is food addiction and how is it a little bit different than emotional eating so sorry about my answer and again it's very diverse so there are people who are addicted to like something that make them you know more high like chocolate like something that can uh, lift them from their you can say depression or low you know area but there are other people that use the food you know just the opposite to calm them to make them more you know nummy and make them you know go to sleep easily so everyone you know use the food in a different way it's so again it's so diverse and with you you can say in 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 one patient like a, like a year that he will use the food for that reason and the next year because of many changes both physical and psychology reason, uh, changes he will use the food for uh, other reason calm himself you know like a downer it's like drugs you know there are like uppers and downers it's the same right so i mean i i'm pretty sure i do that um sometimes <laughs> i mean i like to eat foods in a certain like say if i crave spicy foods i i get a very strong craving for it and i see that as um like a normal healthy thing you know especially someone who's grown up with so much spicy foods mm-hmm. so what i mean is so someone who eats chocolate to feel better are they addicted or or is some food addiction actually very healthy for us and a sign that we should you know, listen you know who will judge that who will judge you know we are as a society we are the therapists you know who who can judge sometimes the person that you know suffering from you know emotional eating or issue with emotional and you know relationship with food and eating he will judge himself that he have not just an issue but his issue become a, a problem but as i see it you know emotional eating is part of our life we cannot you know uh, live without because the connection between emotional and eating is from day one you know our mother if she you know uh, gave us milk or not the relationship between emotional and food is from the first day even before we we were born you know so you cannot you know as i see it be zero emotional eater you know you cannot so it's it, it, you know sometimes you know the therapy sometimes the patient will see so where is the you know where is the balance i can tell you about one of my patient that she came to one of my groups so every thursday she had a ceremony in 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 israel we we eat shakshuka you know what is shakshuka no it's like uh, it's like with eggs and tomato sauce you know and sometimes you put it in a bread we call this bread pita it's like uh, you know what you know pita yeah i know i know what a pita is yeah so we put a shakshuka in a pita and it's like it's amazing and sometimes with a salad so every thursday evening she had this ceremony ritual actually with the shakshuka before she went home because her grandmother did her shakshuka and the grandmother died all right and now she needs to enter the weekend through the food through the shakshuka and, and 
for her it was an issue but she maybe she had like a 20 pounds you know overweight but if i will take that woman now i'm like that was a real story but but now i, I will invent a, invent a story and i will take this woman 10 years ahead she have like two children a husband and she like she need to go back very soon and take one of the child to like a, some meeting in the school and she is it's not like a ritual or ceremony anymore it's it's about addiction she must take this shakshuka uh, before she is going back ho uh, home even though she knows she will you know have some trouble with the school with the principal of that school she she will yell at her and everything but she must stop and buy her shakshuka and eat it so this person back to your question is you know in it's she's on the other side you can say she's more on the addictive area of the of the relationship with food and eating yeah that that makes more sense and that actually reminds me you know in in america there are um you know some populations that are displaced meaning like some native native americans right many of them the way they used to live it doesn't really fit uh like a western society model and many of these people become obese like very obese and so do you think that um that one of the causes of that obesity uh could be because of the emotions and dealing with not having your natural environment anymore for sure the i think it's not like the main reason for obesity if we're talking for in your country the 100 million americans suffering from overweight or in israel uh, from 10 million people 3 million suffering from overweight it's not the main you know reason but it's for sure very important reason also both in america and also in israel we can see that people that came from yaman you know 50 60 years ago to israel and people that came from Ethiopia 20, 30 years ago, and they have like a radical change in their lifestyle and their nutrition, suffering more uh, from uh, obesity and diabetes, all right? So I was working with people from Yaman like 10 years ago in one of the clinic in their you know neighborhood, and they were like the, the most population in Israel suffering from diabetes, all right? And this is because until 30, 40, 50 years in Yemen, or maybe in the first year after they came to Israel, they ate very, you know, simple food, you know? Not, you know, fast food or, I don't know, you, you know what I mean? And also in America, when yeah. I traveled in Arizona, I, I saw those people, you know, you know, they came from, you know, their small villages and went to lived in Phoenix or other big city. Yeah, the, the culture, cultural, the those kind of changes. And, and I think, yes, I think part of the healing for everyone, not just for those people, for everyone, is go back to your nature, you know. And if your nature was, you know, eating very, very, you know, simple food, you need to find your simple food and if you're you know you have like simple lifestyle you need to go to your simple lifestyle 
part of your healing process and find, you know, what is the best for you. Uh, and there is a conflict right. sometimes between you and society. Yeah, and uh, speaking of environmental changes, many people that I've seen when I worked as a personal trainer, they come to a big city to work and then they just start gaining weight. Um, and so talking about the nuclear self, getting back to yourself, I mean, what is yourself? Because, um, you know, the self can change too. So what do you mean by that? Yeah. Uh, so if I will uh, talk, uh, I will talk first a theoretical point of view from self-psychology psychotherapy. So Kurt, when he talk about the nuclear self, self in general, he speak about three area. The first area is our ambition. Ambitions is this kind of a feeling that you, you can feel that some, something is driving you from inside. All right, you are you can feel your like something you, you it's like when you are sleeping and something like you have an idea in through the night and you need to wake up and write something and do something and go somewhere, you know. This is the ambition. And as Scott understands the ambition, it's 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 depend on how may how people were empathic to you. So they look uh they look from your uh, eyes. Uh, I like the music of the Pesh Mode, if you are familiar. So one of their songs is Walking in My Shoes. So how many people in their childhood and maybe later walk in those people's shoes and understand them from inside of them? And if a person, maybe if he didn't receive that in, in his childhood, but he's going to therapy and his therapist is, you know, counselor, can be very, very empathic and not just compassion, empathic to this person so his ambition become more and more and more stronger. So this is the first area. Second area, it's about the, uh, our value and our ideal. And this is more connected to how is or how we felt when we were you know, more young that we are a part of something or someone that is bigger than us, that we are part of, you know, this community or this village or this religion or this uh, football uh, soccer team. We are part of something. And if person or this religion allow us to be part of this group and this group is good, so we are good. And if this group, not just they are pulling us to this group and we will need to take their uh, ideal, this group will help us to develop our idea, our ideal and value. You understand? Follow me? Yeah, I do, yeah. So then we will have like a direction in our life. We will not just have, you know, ambition. Ambition, you know, by itself is not enough. We need a direction. And the third area is our uh, talented. So, where is my talented? Uh, what I'm, you know, what is, you know, my present, you know, in this life? You know, I have a present. I believe anyone, everyone have, you know, a present, like a specific present. Uh, and Kurt spoke about, you know, the, 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 our ability to find, uh, he called it twinship. 
and alikeness, and, and, and people who are very, very, very alike us, you know, that we are very similar to them. And if I'm working, you know, studying, just being with people who are very, very, you know, you know, they are like me, then those area of talented will develop. And if I have, you know, a good relationship between ambition, uh, ideal, and talent, then my, you know, uh, self and nuclear self and true self, I will go back to uh, the self that I uh, was not just born with, that I was, you know, designed to go in that path. And something, you know, happened. And for everyone, something is happened, you know, for everyone, you know, you have like obstacle here, obstacle there, nobody living, you know, in their, you know, air, all the time in their true self or nuclear self. But, you know, psychotherapy, you know, sometimes, you know, people asking me about, so psychotherapy is the only way to, you know, to heal yourself, you know. So, you know, we spoke a little bit about that before. I, I think psychotherapy, it's, you know, first, path second one is doing art all kind of art you know so for many people they cannot go to psychotherapy for many many reasons but doing art you know can be by itself healing and the third path can be go to the nature so the nature just sitting by a tree go to you know just you know observing the ocean can be healing and the fourth path is being connected to god or your, you know, again, as the Peshmod sing it, your personal Jesus. So who is your personal <laughs> Jesus? What is your personal Jesus? Please invent, and if you don't know or you didn't find him, invent your personal Jesus. And I think, you know, and it doesn't matter which track you take. Everyone can, you know, I believe, heal themselves. What did you mean by art? Mm. Um, I'm thinking how to explain that. Because generally I think of art as, I think I know what you mean. I think of art, generally we think paintings, drawings or something, but you mean finding a creative uh, way to express yourself. Yeah, creative is a good word. You know, I'm as a therapist, you know, feeling that I'm an artist, you know. Yeah. My right. art is therapy. Or speaking with you, or you know, you know, lecture, or you know, guiding a, a group. Art can be anything, but you, yeah, you need to be, you know, in that area. I, I know a book that uh, you, you, you're familiar with the German poet named Rilke. Uh, uh, I don't, I don't think so. Rilke. So there's a book about you know a lot of artists in the 19th century. So. Rilke was in love with a, a woman, and this woman didn't, you know, uh, give her love back to Rilke, and he was very sad. And then there is a sentence, you know, and then Rilke went to a place that he that he couldn't take anyone with him. I understand this sentence that Rilke went to write new poem, you know, and this is, you know, Rilke went to heal himself through writing new poem. And this is, you know, 
I think a little bit what I'm saying about art is, you know, healing, healing process. Yeah, no, that was, that was really detailed. Th thank you for that. Um, about the nuclear self and the way you described it, there's, you know, there's the ambition, then your values and then talents. And it sounds like a lot of diet fads are involve some type of emotional eating because there is a strong sense of community and it's almost like, um, like a way for people to express something that they're dealing with, um, coping with, and maybe they use uh, some some very extreme diet to cope with something. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so that, that was really interesting, interesting connection there. Um, so thank you. Thank you for that. Um, so I guess, I, I mean, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but I did want to ask you about mm -hmm. um, calories, calories in minus calories out. Just your thoughts on how how emotions like what why is why is that wrong like what are some of the flaws to people who just say oh it's just about calories you go to the doctor and they say you're just eating too much what are how does emotional eating fit in with that so i'm not i i don't want to be you know politically correct so it's not not you know talking from the political correct uh, aspect or point of view but I really believe, you know, from my experience, that everyone has their own path to change, you know, his, his, her, you know, relationship with food and eating. And if a person, you know, doing his, you know, calculating calorie and it's working for him, who am I, you know, to say that he's wrong or he need to do, you know, emotional work? Uh, you know, I, I don't want to be in that position. Yes, but the, you know the statistic, you know, in the last 60, 70 years in the Western uh, civilization stayed the same because people are doing diet and the epidemic, you know, becoming worse every day. Uh, and I think, yeah, I think it's about more, it's not about, it's, it's more about, a, you know, cultural, you know, change that people more understand that, it's more than you know counting calorie but you cannot force people to see it you know in the last few years i'm very you know where you know one of my biggest project is to uh, teach more and more and more professional about this topic emotional aspect of obesity because most of the therapists are working with anorexia and bulimia or with people suffering, you know, having those bariatric surgery. But the majority of the people suffering from just being obesity or being chubby. Sometimes, you know, maybe I will write, you know, a book one day, you know, I, I will call it, you know, who treat the chubby? You know, who treat the chubby? No one from emotional aspect, you know, no one. He doesn't know that he have like emotional, you know, issue. And no therapist, you know, will address this chubby. So I'm not sure that I'm, you know, answering your... Yeah, uh, no, no, you didn't answer it. Um, and there's question. also like the skinny, skinny fat. That's something that really, really affects a lot of people. I don't know if you've heard of that, but it's when you're normal BMI, but you feel like you're not um, muscular enough. The muscles aren't showing enough. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think recently there were some studies showing that people today are eating the same amount of calories uh, or the this if 
people 20 years ago, if they ate the same amount of calories as people do now, they were still weighing less than people are now. So there's there's a lot going on to now, now I will what, ask you now I will ask you a question. How you explain that? So I think some people believe that it could be toxins, um, something like that. I don't I don't honestly have the explanation, but I do think that as far as the United States is concerned, um, the food system, there's too much pollutants in people's bodies. So I think clearing that out could be a way to um, actually function more normally and, and respond to a restrictive diet or something like that. But yeah, I don't think anybody really has the exact answer on that. No, but I have an assumption. You know, sometimes when I'm going to a vacation and like I'm stop seeing patient on Thursday and I'm flying on Sunday, all right, so I have like a three days off of patient, I can lose four or five pounds without making any changes in my, you know, diet, but I will lose five pounds in this weekend. By doing nothing. So one of my assumptions, because that and I, I, I get that story for many, many people, both therapists and not about vacation, is the change between being in a very stressful, you know, uh, times to less stressful. And I think every year we are, you know, facing more and more and more stressful, you know, lifestyle especially in, in the cities, especially in the Western civilization. And I think the stress is like very, very important why, to your question. Why, you know, we eat the same and we are becoming heavier, you know? And... Yeah, that's, that's uh, I've also experienced that. Um, I lost uh, 25 pounds two years ago from basically not going to the gym anymore, um, not worrying so much. And I, I believe it's the stress mm -hmm. because before that I had spent 10 years just being addicted to lifting heavy weights and um, trying to maintain my weight. And so I let that go and gained a lot of weight. And then it finally came off when I stopped trying so much. And now I'm trying to replicate that again. But yeah, I do think, uh, it maybe life is getting more stressful every year and that that could also be a reason why people are getting fatter um in the united states at least um well th i think uh i think our time's up so thank you so much um are there any concluding thoughts you have or anything else you'd like to share with our audience uh, i really would love that more and more and more professional you know uh, both in America, but also outside of America, will become more interested in being an expert uh, in this field, you know, the emotional aspect of overweight and obesity. And I think to deal with the masses of the people suffering from that, we will need more and more and more experts like psychology and social worker and mental health counselor and, and other. You know, I was teaching physician, family physician. I was teaching, you know, a dietitian. That more and more professionals and experts will would become more interesting in, you know, those topics that we were, you know, spoke about today. Yeah, awesome. Um, I agree. Well, thanks for your time today. Uh, learned a lot, and uh, everybody enjoy the rest of your day and try not to eat too emotionally. <laughs>
<laughs> Thank you very much.